Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everybody. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. And if it is your first time, welcome. We're glad that you decided to be a part of our church this week as we continue this message series entitled It's Complicated. And what we've been doing is is we've been looking at some of the dynamics that we all carry within our relationship structures. And so, for instance, last week, if you're a parent of multiple children, you definitely want to check in last week's message because we talked a lot about how our role as parents make a really big difference with regards to sibling rivalries. And so you definitely want to check that out. Um, But we've been looking at all different kinds of relationships. And today, we're going to take a look at a different kind of relationship. We're going to, rather than looking at parenting our kids, we're going to actually flip it. And we're going to take a look because Jesus is going to mention something obscure in the middle of a teaching that speaks to the idea of how we are to treat our parents. It is said that we live in the sandwich generation where many of us, we have our own kids that we take care of, but a lot of us, we have parents that we take care of as well. And so does God have some specific instruction with regards to what we should expect as parents, what we should possibly do as children? And so in order to set this up, uh, I remember several years ago I went with um, a a mom of a baseball player. She asked me if we would come sit with her when our kids were playing baseball. And she she said, which I know you've never heard this before, she said, I just don't understand what that coach is doing. Because my kid is much better than the shortstop that they have out there. And, um, but you know what, you coached before, and so if you could do me a favor and just come sit and just watch and evaluate, and just let me know whether or not I'm, I'm kind of seeing the right thing. And I said, I said, sure, I said, I'll be more than happy to come out. I said, but again, coaching is difficult, and so, you know, we want to have patience with our coaches. So I went and I sat next to her, and all of a sudden, they were doing infield, outfield practice. They were hitting ground balls to the players. So all of a sudden, her son goes up to shortstop, and the coach hits a ground ball. And it was wonderful. The ball found the kid's glove. And if you don't understand what that means is, is if you've played baseball, coached baseball, we understand the mechanics. We understand the DNA. Um, You might not know this in sports. Some individuals are naturally gifted toward hand-eye coordinated sports. And it, it is very apparent to those of us that play sports. You can tell an athlete from someone who struggles with that. So right away, I watched this wonderful young man um, close his eyes and catch a ground ball and throw it somewhere near first base. So mom was like really excited about it, and she said, that was my baby. And I said, I know, great, you did a great job. And then the, co- the coach's kid is at shortstop. He gets a ground ball. And right off the bat, I saw this kid approach the ground ball, and I, I knew right away, oh, this kid is by far an athlete. He, he, he has hand-eye, I mean, it, he's really talented. And so all of a sudden, the ground ball's coming to that kid, and at the last minute, it hits a rock. It bounces up, and it hits the kid in the shoulder and bounces into the outfield. And the woman next to me goes, see, I told you, my son caught the ball. That kid can't catch anything. My kid should be the starting shortstop. So I had to figure out how to have a discussion with her to be able to say, you know, the reality is, is that baseball has a lot more to do with the heart, DNA, and ability than it actually has to do with the transaction. And I think in our lives, our faith and our relationship with one another, we can end up being more transactional than more heart-driven. Case in point, many of you, you get up every morning 
and you have the same routine. You get up, you make your coffee, you know exactly what time you have to get up, you know exactly what time, you even have an internal clock that if you are um, dilly-dallying, so to speak, you know that, oh, I'm going to be running late, so I better pick up steam. And all of a sudden, you drive to work, and you don't even remember how you got to work because the car just magically drove itself there, because why? It's transactional. You have become wired transactionally. Same thing, case in point, with our relationships with one another. Um, I like to say that I have a 16-year-old home. I am the Scalzetti Transportation Service. And if you don't have teenagers, then you don't understand what I mean. But bottom line is, every day is, where does my son's baseball practice start? Where does it end? When do I have to drop him off? When do I pick him up? Um, it is transactional. But if we're not careful, we can end up with a lot of wonderful years really, really leaning on transaction. And so today, Jesus Christ has an amazing message that you probably don't hear many pastors preach on because it kind of comes out of left field. But I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to explain everything. In order to do this, I need some audience participation. So what we're going to do is we're going to split the audience into three different sets of people. And the reason why is the story we're about to unpack have three different sets of people. So we're going to start over here, and you all are Gentiles, okay? You're the Gentiles. Now, why do I call you Gentiles? Because you're kind of sketchy, all right? I can see some of you, you're a little sketchy. Um, you know, you just really don't even know what to believe. You're, you're, you're not Jewish. You don't have a strong faith. You're just kind of like, whatever, this Jesus guy's pretty cool. All right, I'm a Gentile. So that's you guys, all right? Look around. I mean, it's case in point. You understand. Those of you over here, you are Jewish, okay? You understand the law. You've been raised. You understand exactly what the commandments are. You have a really strong relationship with God. And then this group of individuals, you thought you had a bad? This group of wonderful, godly people are the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. So what I'd like right now, do me a favor, is if you're on the right or the left, Jewish and Gentile, stare at the middle and give them some dirty looks, okay? Just do that right now. Find someone you don't like, you get a free pass, right? Just give them that dirty look. I was just, you know, anyway. But here's the point. The point is, is you have this crowd surrounding Jesus. And the religious leaders, they just are listening to everything he says and they're trying to trap him. And so we're going to learn a thing or two about transaction and relationship. In Mark chapter 7, if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 7, or you can follow along on the screen. Verse 1, here we go. It says, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. And they saw some of the disciples eating food with hands that were defiled. That is, they were not washed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? So now, this group of individuals, you're staring at that group of individuals, and some of the disciples are over here, and you guys, you just came out of the marketplace, and you are just going to town. You are just eating, you know, those turkey legs at Disney World? You got one of those things, and you're gnawing on it, okay? And it's pretty gross. And you all are disgusted because you're looking at them going, how can you do such a thing? How many of you ever been to a flea market? You ever been there before? There was a flea market in South Florida that I used to go to called Thunderbird. I mean, it was massive, okay? And when my mom used to take us there, she loved a flea market. I don't know why. But when you walked in there, you came out with three diseases. I'm just saying. 
Because there was chicken that was, you know, out in 85-degree weather, raw meat. I mean, you name it, it was there. You had to catch some kind of disease. And when we got in the car, my mom always wanted to make sure that we washed our hands because we were defiled. I mean, it was just gross. Now, here's the other thing you need to know. So, the, the teachers of the law, and he says teachers of the law, and he does this on purpose to stick it to you guys. Do you want to know why? Is because he's setting you up. Jesus looked at all of you. He didn't mention your title. He just said, teachers of the law, as if to elevate you in front of the other groups. These are the teachers of the law. Oh, they know the law. They are smarter than we are. Okay, we're going to give them respect. And so all of a sudden, Jesus is about to get into a conversation, and he's going to talk specifically about what it means to follow written tradition and oral tradition. Let's take a look. This is Mark 7, 6. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Wow, Jesus is really letting you have it, okay? It says, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God, and you are holding on to human traditions. Now, what is Jesus talking about? Now, this is where, if you don't understand a little bit of Jewish culture and history, you get a little lost, but it's so deep. Do you understand that in law, Jewish law, there were a lot of written commands, and a a good Jewish boy, a good Jewish girl would understand most of those commands. However, there was a lot of laws that they didn't have written down, and so as time went on, they would ask the teachers of the law, what about this? Like, I, I can't find anything written on it. What do we do? So, over a period of history, the teachers of law started to create traditions. Those traditions were oral teachings, and they would pass on those oral teachings. But you see, you all had a really good racket, okay? You, you knew how to, how to swindle everybody. Let me tell you why. Some of you are like, I don't like this pastor. He's picking on us. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll be nice in a little bit. But the reason I say this is, is because it wasn't written down. So all of a sudden, when you had either a Jewish individual or a Gentile that would go to you and say, well, what about this? You would, you couldn't make it up on the spot if you wanted to. Because the only people who are going to call you out are people who are just like you. And so that teaching was known as the Mishnah. The oral teachings was known as the Mishnah. So Jesus says, you disobey the law for the traditions of your teaching." In other words, he says, you cherish the Mishnah more than you actually cherish my law. What are you doing, you teachers of the law? So do you see how he set you up? He elevated you in front of these two groups of people, and then he let you have it. He called you hypocrites. And then he said, you guys aren't doing the right thing. Now, if I were you, I'd be pretty mad at Jesus. Well, let's see what happens. Mark 7, 9. And he continued... You know what? You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. So he gets right at it. He speaks right to it, and he lets them know specifically you're focused on the wrong thing. Speaking about focused on the wrong thing, there's a story of a 12-year-old boy who on a Saturday, he got up, and he all of a sudden, mom heard the lawnmower going. and She didn't ask him to cut the lawn. So all of a sudden, the lawnmower is out there, and he's pushing the lawnmower. Now, by the way, if you are about to become a parent, that's a danger Will Robinson, okay? That means your kid is setting you up for something. So you just got to know. It's not out of the goodness of his heart. Uh, you know, he's just setting something up. So he goes and he cuts the grass. Then he comes in and he takes the trash out. And he throws the trash out. Then 
Mom's making dinner, and he comes in, and he says, Mom, I'll set the table. You don't need to do that. I'll set the table. So he comes in, and he sets the table. So mom comes and sits at her place. Son sits at his. And she notices a note under her plate. And she grabs the note. And it says, cutting the grass, $2. Throwing the trash out, $2. Setting the table, $2. Mom, you owe me $6. Mom is sitting there, doesn't say a word. She folds it up, puts it under her plate. She finishes dinner, and then they leave. Kid is sitting there wondering, oh, I don't know how this went. So all of a sudden, the next day, Kid comes to the table. Mom put a note under his plate. He gets the note. He opens the note up, and it says this. Gave birth to you. Cared for you for these 12 years. Loved you unconditionally. You owe me nothing. You see, that mom understood the true meaning of relationship. You see, she took everything away from transaction and she made it about the heart. And she made it about the importance of the relationship. Do you understand what Jesus was trying to do in his teaching? This is why it's fascinating. Jesus was teaching on so many different layers and if you just look at one specific, you miss the larger picture. What Jesus was doing is, is he was getting into semantics about the law and everything else and you're gonna learn a few more things that he's gonna pull out and if you're not careful, you'll pay attention to that and you'll miss the main point. Jesus was always trying to get them off of the law and get them to the meaning behind the law. And so Jesus continues to teach in Mark 7, 10. Take a look. He says this, and by the way, I have to believe he was looking right at you all when he started teaching this, the teachers of the law. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. Pause. Do you know what he just did? He just took your teaching and he trumped you. He said, the fifth commandment, says, honor your father and mother. In, a, in essence, he's saying, look, you think you know the law? I know the law as well. And so I'm, I'm going to start quoting it for you so you know you're dealing with someone here who, you know, knows a thing or two. And he says, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death, which is also in the law. And so Jesus, again, one-ups them a little bit. He continues on. But you know what, teachers of the law, you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is Corban, that is devoted to God, I'll get to this, then you no longer let them do anything for their father and mother. Guys, can you leave it on this for just a second? This is where you start getting lost because Jesus just threw a zinger in, okay? But I want to explain something to you, and if you're falling asleep, lean in because this is really interesting. So he looks at you all and he says, you know what, you say... Do you get what he was doing? In your Mishnah, not written law, you say in your oral traditions that what might have been used to help your father and mother is Corbin. Well, what is Jesus talking about? This is amazing. Do you know what Corbin was? Corbin was a tradition that if you were a religious leader, a Pharisee, a Sadducee, uh, Gentiles and Jewish people, get, get ready to not like them very much, okay? Just get ready. Teachers of the law would all of a sudden, at a ceremonial point, would state that all their resources were considered Corbin. They would say, I'm dedicating all of my possessions to the temple and to the glory of God. Now, here's the fascinating thing that history teaches us. They used to do that, which meant that their parents had no right or access to the kids taking care of them as they got older. They had, they had no expectation. 
And it was as if the Pharisees and Sadducees said, Mom, Dad, I'd love to help you out, but I mean, Corbin, Corbin, I, I'm, I'm a teacher of the law. You know, it, it says our tradition is, is that, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm living a life for God and I dedicate my stuff for God. Here's the problem with it. Do you know that most of the teachers of the law actually did not dedicate their resources to the temple? You see, they were not required to. So it was a free pass. They used to say that in front of everybody, and they used to grand strand and everybody, look at me, look how wonderful I am. Sorry, Mom and Dad, but aren't you proud of your little boy? And so they used oral tradition to get out of their responsibility. So now you can look at the middle, and you can just give them the dirty eye. You Go ahead and do that right now. You guys are like, I'm never going to come back to this church again. Continuing on, in Mark 7, 13, it says this. He said, because you all are doing this, you nullify the word of God by your Mishnah, your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. And so Jesus stops, and do you notice what he does? He takes on the Pharisees, but then he uses an illustration about what it means to take care of your mom and your dad. And he uses that to teach you and I. And his main teaching is very simple. It's not about the transaction. It's about the heart behind the transaction. Well, how much should I care for my parents when they get older? Again, it's not about the transaction. It's about the heart behind the transaction. And that's why it's messy, and that's why it's complicated. So with that being said, let's go over four practical tips. That if you're sitting in the sandwich generation, if you're a parent, and you're taking care of parents, what should you be expected to do from God's teaching? Well, I think there's four principles that are very, very apparent. You ready? Number one, we are to love our parent. Because it says anyone who curses their parents is to be put to death. That is actually in the written law, and Jesus actually repeats that. So in essence, he says, look, you need to love your parents. Now, some of you are like, have you met my parents? I get it. But you ever notice this? If you have kids, you ever heard of this thing called tough love? You see, love is not just giving anybody exactly what they want. Love is not necessarily letting them walk all over you. Love actually is praying through, thinking through principles, and asking God, God, what would you have me to do in this situation? So before I act, I'm going to consider the heart of love before my action. So that's number one, love. Number two, we are to honor the fifth commandment that Jesus spoke about in that passage, that we're to honor our father and mother. Now, the best way I can illustrate this to make what, what does honoring mean is this. There was a, an opera in New York City, a very famous opera, and there was a gentleman who had an amazing set of pipes. I mean, he was an incredible singer. And so he was, you know, just they were touring, and he was there, and all of a sudden, you know, all the people, they paid tons of money to go see this gentleman. He was the star. And when they got in, how many of you have ever been to New York and you sit there with the playbill and all of a sudden you open and you pray that a little piece of paper doesn't fall out? You know what I'm saying? Because all of a sudden the little piece of paper comes out and says, now playing the role of the lead. No! I paid all this money. I wanted to see the lead. I wanted the best. And so all of a sudden they get to this opera and they look and the main attraction, the gentleman with the amazing voice, was sick. And so his backup was taking the stage. 
they were furious. The crowd felt like they were swindled. They had paid all this money. So all of a sudden, the gentleman gets up, he gets to his first song, and he sings the first song. But everybody in the audience, they're just frustrated. So he gets done with the first song, and nobody claps because they were upset. And all of a sudden, after about two seconds, in silence, up from one of the boxes in the theater is this high-pitched voice of a six-year-old boy that says, Yay, Daddy! See, his son, they allowed to go sit in the box to watch his dad perform for the first time. Realizing what had happened in the audience, all of a sudden, everybody got snapped into a reality of what's really important here. And everybody started clapping. And they gave him a standing ovation. Because isn't it true that we make things so transactional? I paid this money. I should get the best. And because I didn't get the best, I am sitting here and I don't like that guy. And all of a sudden, the faith of a child snaps everybody into, wait a minute, what does it mean to honor? We need to honor this moment. And they did. And they honored it. So number two, honor your father and mother. Pray through what that looks like. Number three, obedience. Obedience speaks to this idea of as children, we have to obey our parents. Now, this mainly is focused upon when you're under the same roof because isn't it true, we know biblically you leave and cleave to someone else. And so if you get married, you are leaving and cleaving and you set your own household rules. But if you live in your parents' house and you're under their roof, then obedience continues to come in. Some of you are like, dang it. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says this. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So we need to learn to obey. And the last but not least, and this is tough, provision. Provision. We have to think about, Lord, how can I honor, love, obey, and how can I care for my parents? What is it that you're calling me to do? 1 Timothy 5.4 says this, But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. And we see right off the bat in Timothy that it's pleasing to God to have a heart that says, you know what, I'm going to care. And I don't have to do this, but I'm going to choose to do this. Are you starting to get Jesus' teaching? Do you see how the plane is landing? Do you see what Jesus was really doing? He was saying, you don't have to, but where's your heart? The law says this, but how do you interpret the law? How are you praying over your circumstances with your family? And what is God calling you to do? And I think the bigger question is, are you pausing long enough to actually listen to what Jesus would tell you? If you're new to Christianity, we say this all the time. I've I've preached on this several times. We call it the five-second rule. And in essence, before every major decision, we know this. Every major decision will affect our faith, our family, and our future. And why would we jump into a decision really quickly before pausing for at least five seconds to say, hold on, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do in this moment? And that speaks to relationship with God's heart. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach the religious leaders. We wrap this up. And he closes it, and you'll see what he says. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him, 
And I love this. I, I, I almost look as if Jesus said, all right, Jewish, Gentile, religious leaders, come here for a second. I beat you up, religious leaders. But now I want you to hear my heart. And he says, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And so where's your heart today? If I were to ask you today, if you had a decision, would you want immeasurable power or ultimate respect? Which would you choose? I have to believe, after thinking about that, many of us in this room, if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, you would choose respect. Because that speaks to something, doesn't it? You see, power is lording something over and having control over a transaction. But respect comes from the heart. And my prayer for all of us is that we would understand how we can gain respect. And the easiest way is to love God and to love one another. And so when it comes to your mom and dad today, what's your obligation? When it comes to your kids, when it comes to your family, when it comes to your friends, what's your obligation? Because Jesus wants your heart. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this message. And God, thank you for the amazing teaching. There's so much there, Lord. And if we just read through it, we miss so much. So I pray for the individual in this room whose heart's pounding right now. And God, that might be because they, they haven't been handling their relationships the way you've called them. There's been too much transaction. And God, I pray for that individual that today they would take one step, one step, and they would follow you. So we love you and bless you in Jesus' name.